Welcome to the Path and Focus podcast, where we record ourselves building a wildfire technology company. I am your host, Jonathan Bowers, a software developer turned entrepreneur. And I'm Kaylee McCullough, a former wildland firefighter turned software developer. So it might be confusing to some people who might be listening to this podcast because we've mentioned both the Path and Focus company and Two Story Robot. So they're two separate organizations, and all of us on our team, we are employees of Two Story Robot, and that's a software development firm. We build software for other people. And so what Path and Focus is, is a new company that we've created with its sole focus on this wildfire technology piece. Um, so we're kind of borrowing a bunch of resources and people from Two Story Robot to build Path and Focus. So every everyone that, that like Kayleen, myself, um, everyone on the team, they all work for Two Story Robot. Um, so we also have other projects that we're working on, which is a bit like kind of a bit weird, I think, when you're starting a company to have people working on it and then they go away <laughs> and then maybe come back later. Um, that's a bit strange. So, you know, we're deliberately building this company with focus and determination, but there's other other things that we're working on. Um, at Two Story Robot, we've started to like really work on and define our values and try to weave all of that through our daily practice and our just sort of daily interactions with our team and with clients and building something that could potentially save lives is really impactful work. Not that I think that our software is going to directly lead to someone's life being saved, but potentially indirectly it could. And I get pretty excited about that stuff. And that's kind of why we've created this other company. We're just interested in doing things a little bit differently, prioritizing values and focusing on product and building something that creates you know, even more value for even more people. So what's going on in Path and Focus land? You wanted to chat about um, some of the stuff with Beacon and our API? Yeah, I just wanted to give a little bit of an update from the conversation I had with Ave, our developer on the project right now. We have discovered that we're only getting yesterday's data, which is problematic for our app because we need today's data in order for it to be useful. So her and I circled around what to do about this and like what the quickest solution is to getting something that is functional. Our like two kind of routes are pulling the data from Data Mart, which has the latest hours worth of data. So like right now it's 1043, it would have up until 10, but it's in a different format. So like there'd be some tweaking that needs to happen, but I think like ultimately that is the solution that we want to go with. However, you and I talked about me building a little scraper to get the data directly. And that data has the calculated fire weather indices. And so because we need to build that as like a, a test to validate our calculations off of, there's potentially more value in going that route first because it's not a waste of development time. And we can guarantee the accuracy because it's the government's danger class. So we know that we're reporting to people what the right thing is. Do you have any thoughts on which path we should take first? Uh, so I'm, I'm a little torn. I feel like, I feel like we want to integrate with actual weather, like, like pulling from weather and doing the calculation, not just scraping. So getting weather from the Canadian source of all that weather data. Um, that seems like, the better approach because that's more in line with the technology that we want to create, which again is wildfire technology. If we're just taking data that we've found somewhere else and then 
kind of repackaging it in a slightly more easy to access way. That's good. Like, I think that's helpful for our users. Um, I still think we should do that just to test to make sure that the data we're calculating is correct. Um, but I'm, I'm a little less excited about going down that path from a long-term perspective. But from a short-term perspective, I think we should stick with what gets us gets us something in the hands of users quicker. Yeah. Yeah. To be clear, I'm not suggesting we use the scrape data as a long-term solution. It is primarily just a way to get the app in beta testing in the hands of a few people to give us some feedback on it, because I think it's going to be a shorter turnaround. But ultimately, yes, we do want to build this infrastructure around the weather data and using the calculations we have access to in order to calculate the fire weather indexes from the raw weather. Yeah, I, I agree. So I think let's start with grabbing that data from a source that we know is correct. Uh, is that slower? Not slower. I mean, how much effort, I, I guess, is the question I want to ask. Is it going to be a lot of work to try and scrape that data, or is it just easier to use the new weather source? I'm not sure. I have never scraped data before, and so I don't really know what the effort involved there is. Um, Ave and I were talking about this a lot, and I think just as a kind of side discussion, we had our all hands meeting the other or last week had had a discussion on on failure and how failing is good and we want to talk about it and bring those learnings back to the team. And I think this API is a really good opportunity to do that because there's a lot of things that have gone wrong in this process that we can learn from and move forward on. So a big part of that is just testing. We don't have any tests on this. And so it's proven to be really tricky for Ave to get a handle on what's happening what the data looks like, how it's moving through the system, um, which would have been easier if there had been some tests and some documentation on the repository, which there is minimal. Plus, we had a very long feedback loop. So like if we had had these conversations ongoing from the beginning, we probably could have recognized months ago that um, there was not current data and it wasn't set up to support the app the way that we needed it to. I think that's important to highlight that there were some like some failings, and we can learn from those. And I think you're right. I think this is a good opportunity to go and explore a little bit more um, how we can make that that whole process a bit better. It's very difficult to tell if this product is going to be successful, even though we like take some mock-ups and show some uh, industry folks, they're going to give us good feedback. They're like, yeah, this looks good. But the the real value, I think, is in making decisions off of it. Um, which we can't do in mockups, like we need the data. And so the sooner we can get to something that validates that this is a good idea, the better. And I think validating that against data we know to be accurate is better because if it's not valuable with data we know is accurate, then we don't need to build anything else. That's one of the hypotheses that we have is that part of the problem that we're solving is that the danger rating is very hard to get at and to determine. Um, it's just cumbersome and a pain in the butt. So can we just take take the data that we know exists and make it easier to access? And, and if so, then great. We've sort of confirmed one of those hypotheses, and then we can move on to the next one, which is can we add other like other functionality and other features and other technology to make it even better? Yeah. So we'll see how this 
new strategy works and what uh, <laughs> what assembling blocks we encounter this next phase. Yeah, that's exciting. I like scraping. I find it extremely satisfying. Uh, and so scraping, for listeners who might not know what that means, scraping is... It's this technique of like visiting a website and looking for information on the page and then grabbing bits of data from it and and doing so in a way that's completely automatic. But it it kind of resembles like if you just browse to a website, scroll down to the, you know, to the link that you have to click on in order to open up the details and then and then you look at the data and you like copy and paste it into a spreadsheet. That's kind of what scraping does. It just does it automatically. And it, why you have to do that is sometimes data is data's there, but the people that have access to that data don't present it in a way that makes it really easy to consume in an automatic way. So like uh, the weather data that we have access to is really easy to get. We just go you know, query for it and it returns just a dump of data. You know, here's the temperature for every hour for the past 50 years or something, right? We can go and query that and it's really relatively easy to do. Um, But if somebody didn't think to make that data available to us in that format, we'd have to go and figure out some other way. And uh, one of the ways is to like browse a website, click around um, and copy and paste that data, but kind of do it in an automatic way. So that's, that's like scraping in a nutshell. I think it's satisfying. Uh, it seems like unnecessary work, but it also feels like, haha, I got around you, silly organization who didn't bother to make it more easy for us to access this. There is some interesting progress being made um, trying to build this app for data collection. Right after this, we're about to have a conversation with one of our other developers who is pretty well versed in machine learning on bringing in some really cool machine learning opportunities into this project. I think we talked about this a little bit in our last recording, um, but like one of the issues we noticed was that sometimes weather stations don't have the weather data for particular hours and the way that the calculations work, they require consistency in the data. Um, otherwise it breaks. So we were trying to figure out ways to ensure that um, they're like work around those gaps in data. And um, one of the thoughts we came across was whether or not we could use or create a machine learning model off of all of the historic data we can access to estimate what that value should be based on. Yeah. I don't understand how that would work. Um, I mean, I've talked with Chris uh, a few times. So Chris is Chris is the our chief technology officer, he's got a master's degree in machine learning in computational neuroscience. And so we're going to chat with him after this and see what makes sense. And maybe maybe it's not even machine learning. Maybe it's just like simple statistical models that can work. If there's data that's missing, uh, there's a couple of techniques that, that you outlined from the guide or from the Canadian wildfire system, the, the thing that defined these formulas. Um, it has some recommendations if you're missing data. Some of them aren't something we would do, like using a meteorologist to use local knowledge to <laughs> to fill in the gaps. But that's actually kind of more like, like that feels a little bit like machine learning, right? Like if if someone understands the patterns of the area, they've internalized, like they've learned how that works. So maybe we can teach a machine to do the same thing. The nice thing is that we have access to lots of 
historical data. So we theoretically could train it, I think. But that's the conversation we're going to have with Chris uh, shortly after this. Is, is, is this something we can do? I'm quite excited about it because I think the idea of it is is kind of neat. I think there's two problems here. Is one, is it feasible? Like technically, can we do this? And two, should we? Like, does anyone care? So we've got kind of two questions to answer. Um, thankfully, we have, I think, some people that we can ask for both of those, right? So Chris can help us understand if this is something we can do and some of the connections we have uh, in weather and in wildfire can maybe help us answer if we should bother. Yeah, definitely an important an important conversation to have. Just because we can doesn't necessarily mean that we should. I think it'll be an interesting conversation to have with Chris. We'll update folks on it next week. See where that goes. And it might be a way of showing some ideas to someone and that might like just sort of get their get their gears moving in their head and they can they can sort of extrapolate what we've done there and say, oh, maybe they can help us in this other area. And maybe it has applicability, not just in weather, but maybe in fire behavior or fire risk or things like that, which would be, which would be kind of cool. You've been listening to the Path of Focus podcast. Find and review us wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week.